0: Shut up? Shut up. <laughs> How it looked, anyway. Uh, yeah, we're good.
1: Okay, I'm prepared.
2: <laughs>
0: I don't believe you. We're going to go on anyway, so we, we aren't here, like, recording at 2 a.m. It's going to be the goal. Anyway. It's going to be the goal. We'll be done by 2 a.m. By 2 a.m. <laughs> as long as we're done before 2 a.m. We have succeeded. We have succeeded. All right. This, is it nothing good or happens after 2 a.m.? nothing
2: good happens after. No, it is 2 a.m. It is 2 Yep, yep.
0: See, there we go. All right, we we haven't started the show yet, so that's not How I Met Your Mother in this episode also. Not. Shut up. I am not sure, because I know you started recording, and you sometimes, like, sneakily put stuff from this part (laughs) in, which doesn't strike me as fair, but whatever. (laughs) Do you want to edit it? No, no, that's... (laughs) It's everything you do is fair and good, and you're very unique and good. Uh, Thank you. uh, Okay. You ready? Sure. Do we need to be silent? No, we're good. Okay. We're never silent anyway. We're never silent. Hello, gentle listener, and welcome to Michael and Ethan in a Room with Scotch. What was that? I was
2: just laughing at it.
0: The second Sally yes. Was the thing I was gonna do Oh okay Which actually was like Related to the book You were actually whatever. really funny And I... I was just
2: making A goat noise
0: <laughs> And let me guess Yours is gonna get Way more laughs Probably including From me <laughs> Uh So yeah It is Um The Life and Opinions Of Don Quixote <laughs> Book one Part two Part two, two
2: now see i noticed something while we were talking about this last time yeah that actually there are different books yeah like,
0: especially in book, book one
2: book two comes at chapter nine yeah in part one so yeah it's like part one book whatever so yeah. like we've got to be specific with our terms here everyone's going to be confused
0: yeah <laughs> you're right because definitely they would not be confused no matter what we did, because it was us saying it. <laughs> also, that's that's another one of these these things that makes me feel like this book was just Cervantes doing whatever he wanted mm-hmm. and just writing in order, because I want to say in Book 1, it's like, in in Volume 1, let us say. The, volume 1, sure. The one published, I can accept that. The one published in 1605, so half of what is usually published today. Mm-hmm. Um, In that volume, I want to say there's like Book 1 is fairly short. Book two is maybe a little longer. Book three is fairly long. And then book four is like half of the length of that volume. And then there are no books in volume two. It's Mm -hmm. just all single chapters. So I feel like he had this like Kundera-ish or Mm -hmm. um, I don't know even even like Tristram Shandy-ish conception at first for the structure of this book where it would be like you know shorter sections and then he just got confused or bored or whatever it's you like yeah it like that i was like no i'm bored hard. with this
2: <laughs> this is dumb
0: sort of like how he got two-thirds of the way <laughs> yeah, through there.
2: yeah book four yeah it is literally half book four goes from in my edition page 304 until the end of part two Part which one. is or part one, which is page six seventeen. Yeah, so, so that's three of four to six seventeen. Mathematically, half, about half, half the, the book.
0: More than half. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's silly. Sort of like how he wrote two thirds of Cardinio and got bored for a while, and then yep. finished it off a hundred pages later. So, gentle listener, as you no doubt can tell by now, this is a podcast about scotch, um, except it's not about the scotch. What which, about? is our actual motto. It's not about the sketch. Thank you. I did just say I that. I said it. <laughs> I did you hear you. me say it? I said it. I that. did. I think everyone else heard you say I'm it, good. too, because you said it right by a live mic, so... <laughs> oh, good. Um, that'll get right on the podcast tape. Yes! Uh, Wait, no. <laughs> Stop it. Uh, oh, you snuck that one in. I I did, and I'm pretty pleased with it. So... i tisking you very harshly. As last episode, uh, ow... <laughs> yeah, Kissing really got me on that one, um, harsh. So, as last episode, we are talking about Don Quixote. Um, oh, I was gonna actually the ingenious hog. He'll Hild- had. Hild- Hild- wow, well done. I was gonna read the actual real long title because I keep. <laughs> Confusing it with Tristan The Spirit and of Cervantes
2: came and hit you on
0: the head, preventing you from doing so. With a rubber chicken. <laughs> with a rubber chicken. <laughs> <laughs> because the Spirit of Cervantes had made sort of a digression through Monty Python on his way here. Because <laughs> um, oh, yeah. he was also in a night suit!
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. yeah. The ingenious Hidalgo Don Quixote de la Mancha. We are reading it. Um, and also drinking the Balvini... Fourteen-year-old Caribbean cask matured Scotch whiskey, Mm -hmm. Um, which I do feel is appropriate because, like Spain, traditionally has had a big hand in the rum production. I I was gonna, Um, I was gonna
2: say something that there's actually clever.
0: Yeah, there is actually a rum. Thank you, by the way. uh, There is actually a rum called Don Q. Really? Yeah, which I did wow. very much consider getting sure. for this show, sure. but but you decided to be a purist. I did decide to be a purist, mm-hmm. though. Like as with as much of a nod to Don Quixote as a purist could. Right. For all we know, this this scotch was matured in Don Q casks. It yeah. probably wasn't. I now do not know nearly enough about the industry to be making that pronouncement. Where did, did you, you put with the it? scotch? What did you do with it? <laughs> it's okay, gentle listener. I found the scotch.
2: Good thing to I would pull this podcast over.
0: Would you? I would. So you have a problem with the podcast being released on cassette day. <laughs> but not with implying that it does have like a steering wheel that you're literally driving.
2: Well, I am literally driving the steering wheel of this podcast. Uh huh.
0: Okay. <laughs> Alright, Karen, can you read the rules please? And hit Michael. <laughs>
1: Rule 1. Once the scotch is poured and the glasses clink, the scotch must not be mentioned at any time. If anyone mentions it, they lose. Rule 2. No one's mother should be mentioned in any pejorative sense or any other sense not directly indicated by the text of the book being discussed. If any mothers are mentioned, the mentioner loses. Rule 3. Ethan must never say the phrase, first paragraph. If he does, he loses. Rule four. Michael must never say the words vampire, vampiric, or any derivative thereof. If he does, he loses. Rule five. If anyone has to use the bathroom during an episode, he or she loses. However, this should not stop anyone from doing so because this podcast is anti-UTI.
0: And what happens if someone breaks the rule?
1: If one person breaks a rule, they receive a punishment in the form of a verbal stunt chosen by the person who did not break the rule. All that being said, everyone, drink responsibly.
0: Yeah, Ethan. Yeah, Michael. Gentle Gentle listener. listener. Thank you, Karen. Uh, (laughs) So, here we go. We are going to clink our glasses, and then... uh, Wow. Wow, I feel like that should be a punishment. Gentle listener, I know you can't see, but Michael did just splash a little bit of the scotch, which I'm allowed to say because we haven't cleaned clean. We haven't, we
2: haven't, so splashed
0: it, it right on my leg, thereby wasting good scotch.
2: I didn't waste it, I not, moisturized your leg. I'm it? not
0: drinking it off my leg and you definitely aren't drinking it off my leg, so it's going to waste. Well get your wife back in here. <laughs> Oh, she would hate that on several levels. <laughs> Alright, well, this is off to a great start. L'chaim. Slank. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: is that how you pronounce that? <laughs> I don't know. What were you trying to say? That... Slantcha?
2: <laughs> yeah, is that, that how you say
0: it? <laughs>
1: I don't know why that's so funny. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh. Well, dental listener, it's gonna be a ripe one. Uh, especially once I let out this part. To... <laughs> I was
2: just so. gonna tell you not to do that. <laughs> uh.
0: so i uh i'm interested in the fact that we spent pretty much all of the last podcast talking about genre because we're definitely going to talk a bunch about genre on this podcast oh um well here's the steering wheel thank you thank (laughs) you oh sorry grandma uh you died several years ago anyway so um (laughs) And wow, that just was... took a morbid turn. <laughs> that was my salute to my grandmother. <laughs>
2: oh. Oh, so this episode is dedicated to all of Ethan's relatives.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Um. Rip and I don't think that did violate the rules. I feel like it violated what ought to have been a rule, but I don't think we can quite stretch. Yeah. It that no. Far.
2: I think like it came close.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> We really are not like the governing body that should be making these calls that occurs. No, to like
2: me. yeah, like we we made the rules, but we're also the enforcers of yeah, the rules.
0: Yeah, yeah, which is. But like. And like, if there's a dispute, <laughs> we <laughs> both have a vested interest in one way or another. Right, we need the, a neutral party yeah. here.
2: We need an umpire. In here yeah. Or a ref.
0: And I would say we should get Karen back in here to be the judge of the rules. She would hate that, but well. Well, she might enjoy it. She might enjoy it, but also I don't want her to be the judge. Because she'll rule against me all of it every time. Um, Maybe we should get her in here. Yeah, well, exactly. see, exactly. You would like that. And it that's would. exactly the same problem that we're talking about here. We might need to phone a friend. <laughs> um, Maybe we
2: should keep that one in our back pocket. Michael if there's and a Ethan... dispute over the rules, we phone a
0: friend. <laughs> yes. Michael and Ethan in a room with scotch, colon, who wants to be a millionaire? <laughs> um... Okay, well, so here we are talking about literature. Yep, uh, is that what we're doing? Wow.
2: Yeah, it is.
0: I've been living my entire life as a lie. Well, I didn't it want to be like the Don one Hote to Hote tell you. Whoa! Oh, look at that transition. Yeah, nice, tight. Thank you. Um, so this book we t- we touched at the end of the the last episode on how it gets called an anti-novel novel. Hmm. Um, which. It's to, an interesting assessment. It's an interesting assessment, but also stupid. Yeah. Um, Very dumb. Now, I'm, I, I will tell you what I really think of that assessment later. But, okay. Uh, so, here's the thing. It's not an anti-novel novel any more than, say, The Tick is an anti-TV show TV show.
2: Okay. I haven't seen it, but I kind of get what you're talking about. I
0: also haven't seen it. Okay. So we're on the same page there, right. and that makes this an excellent example for me to have used. Right. But what I know about The Tick is that, essentially, it's a TV show that makes fun of the superhero genre. Right? Right. Um, and that's, like, you know, part of part of maybe barrier to entry on Don Quixote these days is the fact that, like, this is... Um, A novel in a genre or a set of genres that don't really exist anymore, Mm -hmm. and it's making fun of another genre that also doesn't really exist anymore. Sure. Um, You know, we have echoes of this genre in sort of the modern adaptations of the King Arthur legends, right? But even those have been so, like, warped and built upon Mm -hmm. and and transmogrified over the years that that's not even a real accurate sort of a... um, an analogy anymore Mm -hmm. um really so uh gentle listener if if this has been unclear so far i i should back up slightly so don quixote is um on its sort of very surface level it's a satire on a genre that has often been called chivalric romance Mm -hmm. right um and chivalric romance was this genre of uh, stories that you will probably be most familiar with most likely in King Arthur stories, right? Where you have a knight who is vastly overpowered and he goes out and just sort of finds adventures, um, saves beautiful women, Mm -hmm. uh, fights monsters, including other knights, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. ogres, giants, dragons. um, No, not in the real... Oh, my bad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... uh, where did my nyquil go um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um uh, just flirting with that line just just making eyes yep, at it yep I, uh, see it. I see i see what you're doing yeah, yep. yeah well yep. you know you know all right um i'm gonna go home with the line and you're gonna you're gonna sleep alone um yeah my my wife is four hours away yeah so exactly I... I mean, I am going to cuddle you in the middle of the night, but other than that, you're going to sleep alone. I do need that. I know, I know. Uh, So, right. Uh, I've been thinking about analogies to this, and really today the closest thing that we have to the chivalric romance um, isn't even like King Arthur stories necessarily. It's more like either superhero Mm -hmm. stories or even like, the more extreme like action movies sure like i'm thinking of like the transporter or anything else that like jason statham is in yep um you know some of these these action movies where you do really get sort of superhuman in your powers right um so gentle listener if you can imagine um you know a almost almost like in a sense the the best other like specific cultural artifact i can think of to compare it to is um the graphic novel Mm kick-ass um which i haven't seen the movie of but i've read the graphic novel and um it's somewhat similar in that it takes the superhero genre and in that case um and sort of tries to say here's how this would go if this happened in the real world, like you had someone who had read too much superhero, too many superhero comics, had gone insane, had decided to do this in the real world, and it doesn't go as expected in mm-hmm. any way at all but and and kick ass is maybe a good analogy because they do yeah. kick some ass in that in that comic mm-hmm. um like it's you know it gets incredibly violent in places to an extent that you would not see in the real world, like that simply isn't realistic right, so here you have you know sort of flipping on its head the ideas of this this chivalric romance genre but what it flips into is not literally what would happen in the real world it's a different set of tropes
1: mm-hmm.
0: right um and that was that was like some of the the manic um margin rants i went on especially in volume 1 of my my read through of this was just about how stupid people were who thought there were no like fictional devices in this novel um, (laughs) because it's just trope after trope after trope yeah um and this is this is where i actually go um probably one of the best things i got out of don quixote from thomas pavel in his book the lives of the novel um that i read recently not necessarily because of don quixote but it did come up um, this book was published in 2003 in French and translated to English in 2013. So, <laughs> relatively recent. Um, but Pavel talks about sort of, um, you know, and the lives of the novel is specifically a history. So, he's not doing literary criticism in the sense that he's not hitting the high points of the novel as art. He's tracing things that that sort of pushed the development of the novel along and helped it grow and change hmm. which sometimes those dovetail with things like don quixote where you know you have the the greatest classics of all time but sometimes they don't sometimes it's like this this author did this weird experimental thing and then this other author picked up on it and ran with it and that's what became the the classic thing right mm-hmm. um like, he he mentions Dickens somewhat, but not nearly as much as, like, a literary criticism of the novel would. Um, in that Dickens really just sort of took a bunch of things that a bunch of other people were doing and just did them really well or figured out how to sure. make them really popular. Right? So, um, that being said, uh, Pavel talks about the genres of fiction that were popular... When Cervantes came out with volume one of Don Quixote. Mm-hmm. Right? And so he lists several of them. One of them is, of course, the chivalric romance, which we mm-hmm. talked about a little bit, another one is what's called the, a novella. Um, which is a word we still have, but it usually denotes sort of a, a certain length of story, yeah, right? It That's means like, a
2: short novel, basically. Yeah,
0: it's like longer than a, a short, short story, story, but shorter than like a standard novel. Yeah. Um
2: it's really arbitrary.
0: It is. And I've seen more specific definitions of it, but they usually just have to do with like what you can accomplish in that length. In that
2: amount of space, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: So like if you have, a say, a 30,000-word novel, you can have, like, one main character who goes through a solid arc, but you usually probably can't have, like, a group of them that does, for Sure. Um, but, again, you notice that's, like, a modern definition of a novella, but it's it's sort of slaved to that length yeah. consideration. So in Cervantes' time, that's not necessarily what a novella meant. A novella was sort of an Italian genre... Um, and it usually was shorter it was like a short story um if anyone has ever read the decameron um the hundred Mm. stories in that are all considered novellas um but what a novella did was it focused on plot um so it usually had like two or three main characters um and the plot sort of went through a few acts sometimes in the you know in a short span of pages um and the main characters sort of like developed a plot right mm-hmm. um and in the cameron which for a novel written by a 14th century italian guy is super dirty like there's one novella in that in that book and i can't believe this is the only example i can think of because i've read <laughs> half of that book that's like 50 of the stories but there's one okay where a guy deci- uh, a like work day laborer guy decides Um, he wants to, like, get into a, um, a monastery but for nuns.
2: Nunnery? Is that
0: an Abbey? Or a nunnery. I don't know. Anyway, into a monastery but for nuns. (laughs) Um, And
2: get thee to a monastery but for nuns. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Um,
0: wow. Anyway, (laughs) that was more a wow at me than at you, but whatever. Uh, (laughs) so yeah, he goes into this monastery but for nuns. But, like, he has to pretend to be, a like, a deaf mute or something so that he can be a man inside of this monastery. But, like, the nuns have never seen a man, so they're wanting to, like, trick him in t- basically into having sex with them. So, like, <laughs> they... So it's this whole thing where it's, like, he's put up this false front, and they're putting... They're, like, believing his false front, but then trying to manipulate it. But yep. it just becomes two people having sex who shouldn't be right and that's sort of a classic novella plot even though i just explained it somewhat crappily is like you have like deception one deception two deception three and then it's sort of like i hate that i'm about to say this word but it climaxes and then it's wow over.
2: wow yeah wow. i did just
0: tick the box on patreon that said <laughs> this was appropriate for all ages so i'm literally sorry to everybody right now <laughs> Um, anyway, so that's a novella, as horrifying as that is. Or what might be a better example, since everyone has now read volume one of Don Quixote, is the tale of inappropriate curiosity within Don Quixote. Mm-hmm. That's a classic novella-type story, right? Um, That's the, the one that where Cervantes stole the plot of Measure for Measure, but right. ten years earlier. <laughs> um, so... That's... Well done, Cervantes, <laughs> time traveling demon. Right. So that's a that's a novella, and then the other major genre at this time is the pastoral, um, mm-hmm. and of course, again, a lot of people might be most familiar with the pastoral um, b- from Shakespeare in As You Like It. Mm-hmm. As You Like It is a classic pastoral um, dramatic presentation. There were pastoral novels and pastoral you know works of poetry and stuff um mm-hmm. but as you like it is classic pastoral in that you know it takes place in the country that was a big thing um arcadia was this like mythic land of like shepherds and poets and people who lived off the land in right. the woods and stuff not a whole lot happens often in a pastoral novel it's more Mm-mm. the plot there's like a loose plot often but it's more devoted it's more sort of an excuse to like be witty and to have like philosophical discussions and pastoral novels were often sort of about matters of the heart so you'd often have sort of a loose plot excuse me of like two lovers who couldn't be together for whatever reason or like a love triangle but like that would be the first 50 pages and then the middle 400 pages would just be platonic theories of the heart right um and then the last 50 pages would, like, resolve this plot somehow, right? Right. Um, So, Pavel says basically that, and like I think I mentioned in the last episode, this is Cervantes taking every genre that's popular at this time mm-hmm. and just demonstrating how he can do it better. Um, so you have a, at least one, arguably a couple, three novellas in there, right? You have mm-hmm. The Tale of Inappropriate Curiosity as a self-contained one. You could argue that cardinio is sort of another one sure um but then you sort of drop those but then in the midst of those you also have pastorals happening Mm -hmm. so like the plot of cardinio gets sort of interrupted to do all this lucinda nonsense which is like (laughs) straight out of a pastoral Yep. um
2: well even a lot of cardinio himself is pastoral yes
0: yes absolutely um i get all the the people running around in nature in this book confused for yeah well clearly no apparent reason (laughs) it's Um, not like they all run around in nature or something and do all of the same things and also there are four hot women um, (laughs) who are all the hottest women on earth right but dulcinea is way hotter than all of them if she exists. if she exists um so yeah that's that's a whole thing so um in a sense like especially volume one of don quixote is a hot mess of um cervantes doing every genre that's available to him at the time but according to pavel it's a thing where the whole is greater than the sum of its parts right that sure um Nabokov builds this new thing on the pieces of this this set of old things and that you know not that even cervantes necessarily knew what he was doing but when he did it, anything that was done in response to it, and possibly even, like, Volume 2 of Don Quixote, could not be the same as what had come before. Mm-hmm. Or at least not without seeming old-fashioned again because of what um, Don Quixote had done. So, that's uh, that's genre theory as far as Don it. Quixote goes.
2: No, and it makes a lot of sense uh, because... Well, I I knew about the the chivalric romances uh, part of it, but the pastorals and the novellas, hearing it explained, it it fits perfectly within this novel. So right. like that that seems to it, it, I I don't think I can argue with it. It seems there can be no argument that <laughs> Cervantes was obviously just taking all of those genres and just shoving them all together in this one big thing right. that became a novel. Right. Um. Which it's interesting to me that a, a novel didn't exist at this time, but a novella did, and I'm interested to figure out what the etymology behind all of that is. yeah,
0: um, um Pavel, it's interesting because he's a French writer, um, mm. writing in French originally, and he talks about how um when Diderot in Jacques the Fatalist mm-hmm. tries to define what a novel is, he doesn't like any of the words. For it. Sure. Um, and the words in French for it are, like, novel and roman, which have traditionally sure. been translated into English as, like, novel and romance. Right. Um, and novel means new. Right. Which is, like, at this point,
2: a novel isn't new anymore. <laughs> right.
0: So, um, I think I, what I want to say is that there was a similar etymological journey, um, to uh what the like it, it in my mind it's analogous to like the word cocktail as we use it now sure um where at a certain point a cocktail like that word say in the early 1800s meant one specific recipe okay um it just meant liquor sugar and bitters um, sure right and if you had say something that that had like juice in it now you were talking about a cobbler uh, um, and you know there were okay. slings and there were juleps, um, yep, which Got all it. you know survive as almost subcategories of cocktails, right? Um, but at a certain point, sort of, the, there was like a linguistic merger where cocktail became the overarching category. Sure, sure, sure. Um, and at some point, the word novel became the overarching category for like one long coherent, um prose work right of at least fifty thousand words
2: or yes something which again is an arbitrary sort of thing even
0: that is arbitrary because there are things that have been called novels that are shorter than that yeah <laughs> um, like yeah i think i want to say ah shoot bang i had one but now it's gone and then you lost it i want to say maybe some of the chronicles of Could narnia you
2: sell it for magical beans the one that you had
0: I feel like I should be able to punish you for what you just did. <laughs> but it's only like a spiritual should and not like a a rule that we have. <laughs> just because you don't like it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it feels like it violated something. Sure. And this also is why I will never be appointed to be a judge because that's how I would judge well, cases. Also, you too. haven't
2: passed the bar. Also, so. I haven't done any law <laughs>
0: school whatsoever. But other than that, it's this it's this is why. Mm, It'd be mm-hmm. it's just I, I would sit there on the bench and be like, it feels like you did something wrong, but I don't know. I can't
2: nail it down. I, so,
0: I, I guess you're free to I don't know what law you broke, so I guess you're free to go. <laughs> Meanwhile, the prosecutors they're like, it was murder.
1: <laughs> murder was he, he what he did. murdered
2: someone. <laughs> he murdered them. <sighs> Oh, okay. Yep. Hey. Anyway, um, what were you talking about? Uh, uh, novels genres. and stuff and, and genres. Yeah. Yes. Um. Yeah. Uh, I had a thought. Where'd it go? You had a thought. Where'd it go? I
0: I, I had kind of finished my there thought, and Gremlins I think we were. In here. Anyway, around for another one
2: yeah now all right we finished that now we're we going to talk about gentle yeah, right? listener uh, we have no idea
0: i have this book here
2: what is this book that
0: you're talking about Ethan? <laughs> <laughs> it's the one you're holding in your hands oh, also it? um yeah
2: i did i did want to talk about dulcinea if we yes if we want to, that's a to question
0: that. i did want to ask you at some okay. point i don't know why i didn't think to just go ahead and ask you now but sure um maybe it's sort of a volume two question also but
2: well, i think it does branch into should volume that, two but should
0: that matter who cares um <laughs> who cares it's our matters. party and we'll cry if we want to ha uh yeah you show them. so michael yeah does dulcinea exist yes and no of course that's like saying that that's like the amount of information we had before i asked the question <laughs> But also, I did ask you sort of an interview-style question that was a yes-or-no question, and yeah. that's against the rules, because then you can Wait, just Wait, did say you yes break the no. rules, then? Not those rules. Oh, different rules. Interview Wait, rules. Wait,
2: are we dealing with several different sets of rules all at the same time that we have to exactly follow all at once? Yeah. Wow. Sounds like Cervantes writing, like, three different genres at the same time. Yeah, it does.
0: <laughs> I was not sure if you were just going to end that statement with the word wow. Wow. <laughs> Uh, Which I would have been both in favor of and against So here we are Oh (laughs) guess what this all is It's Schrodinger's cat Whoa You said it this time Not
2: me Yep I know
0: (laughs) I wanted to beat you to it Because I was sure you were going to think of it soon
2: Well there are more ways to skin a cat than just to beat it
0: Yeah you could put it in a little box with a radioactive (laughs) isotope That might or might not break down and kill it It's true Yeah Go on So Um, let me let me rephrase this. Yeah. What proof do we have that Dulcinea exists?
2: End of chapter one. Okay. Um, I'm going to read not the entire paragraph because the paragraph takes up a page and a
0: half. I was going to say, because um, that's a Cervantes paragraph and you might as well just read the whole chapter. <laughs> right.
2: So I'm going to read, read, I think, what's the last third of that paragraph. Okay. Uh, where in my translation by uh, Thomas Smollett. Tobias. Thomas. Tobias, Tobias, yeah, you think right. so? Tobias Smollett, yep. You're, you're, it's right you're there correct. on the cover. If you want to double check,
1: no, it's not. Is it not? No, it's not. It should be in the. You're cover. a liar. This is taking too long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to read the
2: last third of this paragraph. I read a
0: different book by him. It's definitely Tobias. Why am I second okay, guessing? It's Tobias. Here? You're correct. Thank you. Gosh.
2: All right. I know. I always um, have
0: to be right when the facts are on my side.
2: Uh, um. Uh. All right. <laughs> Um, so, like, the the whole first two-thirds of the paragraph is Don Quixote saying that he needed a lady to inspire him, and so he pronounces this great proclamation of his love to her. Um, and then it says, uh, This, they say, was an hale buxom country wench called Aldonta Lorenzo, who lived in the neighborhood, and with whom he had formerly been in love though by all accounts she never knew nor gave herself the least concern about the matter. Her he looked upon as one qualified in all respects to be the queen of his inclinations and putting his invention again to the rack for a name that should bear some affinity with her own and at the same time become a princess or lady of quality. He determined to call her Dulcinea del Toboso, she being a native of that place, a name in his opinion musical, romantic, and expressive like the rest, which he had appropriated to himself and his concerns. So, this is the place where we see that Dulcinea is let me frame this very specifically Dulcinea is based on a real life person.
0: Yes, so there is a real life person.
2: Right. Named Aldonza.
0: Yes, who Don Quixote does have in mind Right. The thing is he creates
2: Dulcinea. Dulcinea. The thing is it's written in such a way and described in such a way as an author might describe creating a character yes like this is the character this is who it's based on it's not that person but it's based on that person
0: right it almost uh something about you the way you said that just now was reminding me of the book we read in our very first podcast Mm. um south of the border west of the sun Mm -hmm. um i did it right you did do it right i'm very Uh, proud of you better than i did in that entire episode of the podcast (laughs) when i had the book right in front of me (laughs) right um he uh there's there's that passage that you you uh pointed out in that podcast where um the main character who is a horrible manipulative Ah, there's a word I'm looking for.
2: I don't know. I'm, I'll let you figure it out.
0: Huh. Well, that's mean of you. Um, <laughs> but, he, you know, he's he's this very vampiric character and <laughs> gets asked by the, the woman, uh, do you know of this place, this type of a place, and has, like, a three-paragraph answer that goes from no to maybe to yes. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, like, as if he's creating this place. Yup. Excuse me. So that's that's just what that reminded me yeah, of. Yeah, no, and that's, oh, okay. that's
2: exactly the, the, the feel of that third of a paragraph. Yes.
0: So, um, to follow up this this hostile interview that I'm giving you Barbara Walters mm. style. Uh, oh, thank you. If you were a tree, what, no. Um, Birch. What, thank you. Uh, huh, I can see it. <laughs> uh, um, I, uh, I have no idea what I was going to say. Oh to continue with this interview so dulcinea is provisionally in its provisional within the description that you yeah. would use to back up this answer yes is a real person or at least based on a real person right do we ever meet her no we don't and that's okay like but to uh, follow up with the hostility of this interview okay. where i think that you're lying because you're
2: I'm clearly lying. Scum or something. Obviously. Um (laughs) What what else is new?
0: But, Michael, but you say that. You're a butt. But
2: But you're a (laughs) butt.
0: However, (laughs) we meet Dulcinea like three different times in this book.
2: Except never actually her.
0: Never actually who?
2: The Dulcinea who may or may not exist. (laughs) <laughs> because, like, okay, so Sancho is sent to go bring a message to yes. her. And this is, like, the first time we meet her. And he never actually goes. Yes. He just comes back and says he went. Yes. And makes her up. And then yes. later... So
0: so uh, we have at least two people creating the fiction that is Dulcinea.
2: Exactly. And three if you count the author. Yes. yes.
0: <laughs>
2: um. So, okay, so he goes to deliver a message to her, comes back... Pretending to have delivered a message to her. And then it's a separate episode where he kind of realizes, like, oh, I actually didn't do that. And now I'm going to get caught in it if I don't add another lie to this. And so he says, look, there she is. She's coming. And she comes,
0: but it's not her. It's some other wench. It's literally just the first woman that. The first woman they encounter. And that looked at all. Really like a woman, I think, was yeah, the only no, real He just uh, needed
2: a woman, that's all. Yeah. He just
0: needed someone
2: who didn't have a penis <laughs> to come on by.
0: Wow. So we're just really gonna slap the explicit tag on this episode, huh? There
2: it is. Yeah. yeah. Ow
0: um, <laughs> Not on me, on the episode. Oh
2: my bad. Yeah. I'll this, do that later. Pick this
0: off. um uh, <laughs>
2: I mean, you needed to.
0: Well, yeah, that's true. Ow! You don't have to do it so hard, though. <laughs>
2: oh, okay. I like doing it that hard. Anyway. Um, so, yes, he picks some random woman who comes on by and says, Look, it's Dulcinea. And Don Quixote's like, No, that's not her. And he's like, What? No, yeah, it totally is. Like, believe me. You know, so, like, really leaning into the whole yeah.
0: delusion idea. Yeah, the whole fact that you can make don quixote believe whatever the heck you you want to believe
2: yep as long as it's it as long as it becomes essential to his narrative as a knight yeah you can make whatever you want go into there which is itself like the way everyone in not just volume one but volume two treats don quixote that way just creating things is itself a commentary on that whole chivalric romance yeah genre is like
1: oh if you're
2: gonna go that extreme with like this fantasy like really you can just put whatever you want in there and as long as you decide to believe it yeah all right it fits
0: yeah yeah that that's a really interesting i hadn't thought of the the um sort of structural genre criticism being part of what that was about but it's it's true yeah because it's um and i think like it's even in this text in some of the more explicit like mm-hmm. almost essay-like p- passages where characters are criticizing the genre mm-hmm. um it's it, it is just there it's like yeah this genre is ridiculous because you can just make anything happen in it right and you know it it, it reminds me of um modern fantasy novels which more than one critic has drawn sort of a straight line between the chivalric romance and the modern fantasy novel. Sure. Um. But you know, modern fantasy as a genre has several other roots. But I think one of the things that maybe gets from the chivalric romance is that if you have bad, um, bad epic fantasy, mm-hmm. any plot line you need to sort of have happen can just be done by magic. Yep. You know, it's it's just. It's, you know, again, good good fantasy that that uh, where an author knows what they're doing, like, doesn't do this. But, you know, bad, cheap, sort of B-grade mm-hmm. epic fantasy, it's often like, oh, they're in a situation. Oh, there's a rule we hadn't discussed before in the magic system of this and world. And this fixes it. And this fixes it right Which up. Which
2: is a deus ex machina, but it's a yeah. magic ex machina. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> also, also what J.K. Rowling always uses to fix plot holes. <laughs> Anytime she gets called out on, like, a legitimate plot hole in, in the Harry Potter series, like, on Twitter or whatever, if she bothers to explain it, it's just literally, it's magic. It's magic. magic. <laughs> like, this this changed because magic. Um,
2: yeah. Oh.
0: But yeah, yeah. Uh, I do, um, before we go on talking about Dulcinea and Anne, whether she exists, I do want to just sidebar here into a line from the passage that you quoted. Sure. Um, and it's... See, in my, in my book, I want to say there are three paragraphs where you maybe have one. Okay. But it's the start of the description of, all right, Don Quixote is starting out. Um, and it's just the first couple clauses of the sentence. Having then cleaned his armor, turned his steel cap into a visored helmet, which will come up. It's a wonderful little foreshadowing there because there will be like three chapters on what this steel cap is. Is it a yep. helmet? Is it a barber's basin? Um, this becomes like a thing a magistrate has to make a judgment on? Yep. Um, which is just <laughs> wonderful. Um, but turned his steel cap into a into a visored helmet, baptized his nag and confirmed himself. He realized that the only remaining task was to find a lady, and then we're into the bit you quoted. I just was funny. noticing, baptized his nag and confirmed his self. He baptized his horse because I guess you know yep. all knights had to have a holy horse, and then he <laughs> just like well. And I don't know if this is like referring to the Catholic rite of confirmation or if that's
1: something uh, else. I,
2: I I like that translation for this. Here's here's what uh, Smollett does. Uh-huh. Uh His steed, accommodated with a name, and his own dignified with these
0: additions. Okay. Okay. So yeah, it's that. It's that like. Baptizing you into a name, right? Baptizing, being
2: christened, being given a name, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Confir- confirmed, being also given a name.
1: Oh
0: yeah, yeah, very good. Um, so yeah, no, that's that's excellent. I don't know. I just there's there's a lot of like little lines in here that when you just go back through like a fourth or a fifth time, even you just they just mm-hmm. jump out at you that you just missed in the you know deluge um at the beginning right so was Was there anything else you wanted to say on any of these topics no um while we're here getting towards the end of specifically our sh- episodes on volume one so part one part two yes um before we presumably spend the um next couple episodes on uh part two um, I did... We'll have... refer
2: back to part one and part two. But yes, okay.
0: yes. But, you know, um, I'm actually surprised we've, uh, we've been as, as, like, structurally coherent as we have We've so been far. so good! Yeah. So now is when it all falls apart. But, yep. anyway, um, so, uh, I think, I want to say it's Nabokov that says, part one, chapter six is one of the most important passages in this whole novel. Fantastic. Um and which is interesting because and i think we've talked about this already nabokov kind of didn't like don quixote yeah no like he doesn't think it's he i he says something i forget how he phrases it exactly but he he says basically like it's a good novel but not a great one You're right something like that like, he, like yeah it's entertaining but stop emphasizing it so much you guys well and he acknowledges not only that it is entertaining but also that it's like important to the history and development of the novel, that it's influential. He just says it's also, like, not that great. But he does say that chapter 6 of part 1 is super important, and...
2: I think I would tend to agree.
0: Okay. um, I'm Actually, I'm going to ask you about that in a second. Okay. Because um, I was going to say, so, I kind of read those lectures at a weird chronological place, because I read Don Quixote for the first time in... 2013 or 2014 and it was like two or three years later before I read Nabokov's lectures Mm -hmm. um and it was then again another couple years before I read Don Quixote again for this podcast um so by the time I got to his lectures like he referenced a lot of stuff that had jumped out at me when I did read it but this chapter just got right by me but in this reread knowing to look out for it I read through this chapter and then stopped and reread it again, just to be like, "Oh yeah, okay, yes." So, but before I uh, mention and prejudice the witness uh, yeah. as to why I think that, I want to hear um, what prompted you just now to say that you agree with okay. Abakov on this matter.
2: So, chapter six is labeled in my translation anyway uh, of the di- of the diverting and minute scrutiny performed by the curate and the barber in the library of our Sagacious Hero.
0: I, mine is pretty much the same. Mine does say Ingenious Hidalgo, which I oh, like. But I like Sagacious. I, um, I like them both.
2: Sagacious Hidalgo. They're yeah, real. yeah, yeah. All right. Um, anyway, so, yeah, it's the Curate and the Barber, who are such interesting characters, and I, and I want to reread this entire book, both these books, paying a special attention to the Curate and the Barber, uh-huh. but every time they come onto the stage it gets so meta. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, you, you, like, they're almost, like, they're standing in the place of, uh, Cervantes' critics. They're standing in the place of the reader. They're standing in the place of, uh, just the, the people at large. Yeah. And, like...
0: All of those things, and also of, like, the Greek chorus.
2: Yes, yes, very, very Greek chorusy. Anyway, they, they, they go through his library, and they're like, this is what's causing him to go mad and this one's causing him to go mad and yeah. they burn a bunch of his books right uh because they're doing all these horrible things um a couple interesting notes within this chapter which is the length of about eight pages in mm-hmm. my translation um so a fairly short short chapter um is that short like as opposed to other chapters yeah the other, other chapters are a little bit longer than that okay. Um I I'd say it it ranges from like maybe 6 to 20. Okay. Uh depending on the chapter. Sure. But um so a a couple things of of note in here it's in this chapter. I I don't think it's before this, but in this chapter that Cervantes himself is a character <laughs> in the novel because yes, yes, they yes. find a book by Miguel Cervantes. de Cervantes.
0: And he doesn't have them evaluate him any real like glowingly. Yep, no, it, the, the barber... Uh,
2: but pray, what book is that next to it? When the barber told him it was the Galatea of Miguel de Cervantes, <clears throat> that same Cervantes said he has been an intimate friend of mine, mine these many years and is, to my certain knowledge, more conversant with misfortunes than with poetry. There is a good vein of invention in, in his book which proposes something, though it concludes nothing. We must wait for the second part, which he promises, and then perhaps his amendment may deserve a full pardon which is now denied until that happens let him be close confined in your closet so that's one of the books they decide to keep uh-huh. because they're waiting on judging it until he publishes part two right which seems like such intense like how did ugh, how did it take 10 years for part two to come out right. after a fraud had published something before right. part two actually happened when like already in chapter six a part two was already kind of hinted at Not of, like, this book, but of a different book. I don't... still,
0: like... I want to say, and I might have this wrong, and again, it would help if we did any, like, research or fact-checking for this podcast, but this is not that kind of a quality podcast. No,
2: we don't fact-check anything. Nothing is of quality.
0: Um, Excellent. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Also, this is definitely us doing the the priest and the barber. (laughs) Um, But, uh... Now I forgot what I was gonna say because I got so amused by the Fact checking Galatea image Part Two. Yes. Oh, I'm not sure Galatea Part Two ever did come out.
2: Yeah, and I don't know either. I, I didn't I f- check on that. I
0: feel like I read that it didn't ever, like, you never finished it. Sure. I'm pretty sure that's actually. I might be able to fact check this right now. This is this is the kind of a uh, scintillating live journalism you read. Read. You listen to this podcast yeah, for this podcast. gentle listener. Speed fact checking, seeing if Ethan can back up some BS that he said here live without there being like a uh, a dead zone in the in the podcast. Sure. <laughs> Hello, everyone. My name is Larry. And my name is Justin. We are the co-hosts of the Here's Johnny podcast, a weekly podcast that takes deep dives into the horror genre, focusing mainly on movies and video games. If you want to check out our earliest episode on Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. Or if you wanted to take a listen to one of our video game reviews, such as Clock Tower 3, we would really love for you to do that. Our email is podcast at gmail.com. And if you head over to our website on Tapestry, which is linked off of Tapestry, you can find out more about our show. We hope to hear from you soon.
2: Well, if, if, if yeah, you, you want, I can, I can, I can, I can say uh, the ahead. second thing that really stood out to me in yes. this, this uh, chapter. Um, at the end of the chapter, um, they speak kind of glowingly um, here. Uh, i should have shed tears for my rashness said the curate hearing the name of the tears of angelica if i had ordered that book to be burned for its author was one of the most celebrated poets not only of spain but of the whole world and in particular extremely successful in translating some of the metamorphoses of ovid so they're praising the author of the tears of angelica for being not only a good author but a an excellent translator because he did an extremely successful translation of the Metamorphoses of Ovid. Yep. Now you go back a couple of pages and um the curate is also talking there and this is one of the places where I specifically noticed a um contradiction within mm-hmm. the characters of the curate and the barber. Uh the curate here says um let us pray Heaven to forgive the captain who has impoverished him so much by translating him into Spanish. And this is, um. I don't know what book they're talking about, but a book translated into Spanish, and making him a, a Castilian. And indeed, the same thing will happen to all those burning, the same thing will happen to all those who pretend to translate books of poetry into a foreign language, for in spite of all their care and ability, they will find it impossible. To give the translation the same energy which is found in the original. So, just disparaging even the idea of translation there. Yeah. And yet, then at the end, the same character, the curate, finds another book, or find, finds another author who did translation and says, he did such a good job of translating. That was wonderful. Oh. So, j- the inconsistency there in the, the character of the curate. Which just emphasizes the subjectivity of what one will find of value for keeping in literature. Yeah.
0: Um, and also, though, it, did I catch it right that the translation that the curate praises makes the original seem much more Spanish? Yes. Um, which I think is actually a key both to that and to like what the the curate and the barber well what what deep around it, it it's general? also
2: kind of what he he didn't like about whatever was translated that he didn't like he said he tried right. to make it sound spanish right and it it wasn't good <laughs> right. ultimately is what he says so like it, it i i don't think there's a clear line of demarcation between whoever translated ovid and whoever translated whatever other work yeah, uh,
0: that like, yeah, it is very arbitrary. It's super arbitrary. Yeah, and that that arbitrariness, I think, is a key to unlocking this chapter in a different way. Okay, and may actually be another, um, or if I had to guess, like one of the main reasons that Nabokov thought it was a super important chapter. Um, sure, and some of the things that you've said may also be that for that matter, Nabokov was much more of a both and person than an either or one. I think. Hmm. Um, but this is this is why this chapter stood out to me so strongly in this book or in this reading rather um and it goes back to uh when i was in uh graduate school for english um and i took a class called early english novel with a wonderful 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 professor by the name of william dyer who um, was was at Minnesota State University, Mankato um, when I was in grad school. He was on the verge of like semi-retiring when I took him. He may be retired fully by now for all I know. Um, I haven't kept in touch, but um, if he's not and you are like in Mankato or in the area, you should definitely take a class from him. It was basically like taking a class from like garrison keeler (laughs) both the the level of intelligence and insight and also his voice Mm. because like and it was just because it was an evening class and you had to have this debate between like letting him lull you to sleep which he absolutely could but then (laughs) not wanting to miss the brilliant things that he would say in that voice um and so this class like i said was early english novels so we read like Tom Jones. We re- we did read the Life and Opinions of Tristram Shandy, which by the time I was in graduate school was my third time reading it. Thank you very much. Um, well done. You get a gold star. Thank you. I deserve this. <laughs> Yank. Um. Anyway, uh, you know Tristram Shandy. A lot of those like those pre Jane Austen novels that you've heard of vaguely, but most people don't read. Um. And some of them for good reason, and some of them for not. For example, we read Pamela by Sha- Samuel Richardson, and God. it was a slog. That's one that even I will say is a slog. Sure. I understand. I, sort of how Nabokov was about Don Quixote. I am with that book. I understand why it was important. But sure. Don't read it. Don't <laughs> ever read it. If um, we, if you, we, hear if that you ever listener, don't, if, don't read it. If you were ever to bring Pamela to this podcast, I would only do our episodes. Based on my readings of it in grad school six years ago <laughs> is how much I'm over Pamela. But um Dr. Dyer He loved Don Quixote. He would have taught Don Quixote in this class, hands down, without blinking, if the class hadn't been early English novel and not ah, Spanish just an early novel. novel. Yeah. Sure. Um so, but he did these digressions into Don Quixote, which were like Some of the most insightful things, and still are to this day, that I've ever heard about Don Quixote. And one of the things he always said was that Don Quixote was a novel, it was a subversive novel. Cervantes started Don Quixote when he was in prison. He had been imprisoned by the Spanish Inquisition. Um,
2: I did not realize that.
0: Yeah. It's referenced in the book, but it's very subtle. Mm, Um, I missed it. I, I caught it, but I didn't mark it, which, again... Well, any, way to go. any prep work Idiot for this podcast it. would have been great yeah okay <laughs> mr don't make me edit more than five minutes um so
2: i'm just not even gonna edit this i'm just gonna <laughs> here you go raw audio, raw audio. <laughs> um radio
0: that sounds gross i
2: like um, it radio. so we'll get out our horses and bulls for the radio
0: you're gonna cut this out though please um i know you're not but i want this on the record that i objected okay so this is a subversive novel this like according to dr dyer this is a novel every bit as subversive as a real novel that would have been written in like stalinist russia or um germany under hitler like that's how oppressive the spanish government was at that point um and, you know, so they, like, some of some of uh, Don Quixote's asides into the importance of censorship become very interesting in this context. Yeah. But also, um, this chapter, where they're burning books for yep. arbitrary reasons, like, if you suddenly start to think about the books as people and the curate and the barber as the judges of the Spanish Inquisition, yeah. burning them for completely arbitrary reasons that have much more to do with their personal preferences and like their own friendships and connections yep um this does become a very different novel
2: yeah oh that's really interesting
0: right Mm. and frankly like that's all that's probably most of like the historical context and and research and reading i've done to do that reading of the novel But if I ever do a third reading of the novel, it will only be after I have thoroughly researched the Spanish Inquisition, the government of Spain at that time, Um, which I do know from what I have read, like they were dragging professors away from their podiums mid-lecture if those professors had been, you know, denounced to the Inquisition. Sure. Like it was legitimately an oppressive, you know, um, totalitarian dictatorship of a government at that time.
2: Yeah, I'm not surprised.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that, that throws uh, part one, chapter six into a really fascinating light. It really
2: does. Makes me want to reread it. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, oh, that's fascinating.
0: Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, perhaps we will go into more of this um, next time. Perhaps we sure. won't. Eh, but we are has. more or less that time. We certainly don't. Um and it'll be two weeks before we record the next uh, episode of this anyway. Exactly. So who knows what we will be thinking of by that point after having um waited two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um waited, just
2: waited. Just waited, not done anything else <laughs> nope. that I
0: did not almost say. <laughs> um Well done. Thank you. Hello, gentle listener. We just wanted to take a break here at the bottom of the episode from ending the episode and just talk a little bit more about our Patreon. Uh, yeah. The main point of our Patreon page is, of course, to give us money, but as with Please, all money. things in this extremely broken capitalist system, you can't just ask people for money, so we're giving you some some uh, things back.
2: Mm-hmm. You're not buying them. They're rewards for the there money are. that you give us.
0: Yeah, which is definitely not what buying is. Nope. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so uh, if you go over to our Patreon page at Patreon.com/slash/roomwithscotch, there's also a, a link mm-hmm. on our website. You can yep. see all the tiers. We just wanted to highlight a couple things. Um, mm-hmm. If you just give us one dollar per month, just a dollar, one dollar
2: you get one dollar going once going twice sold for one dollar except not sold
0: you're donating it and we're giving you a reward and also it's not the only thing so really this metaphor is falling apart around as quickly oh crap uh, all right one dollar you get for a dollar you get access to the secret archives um yes. which contains tons of bonus audio from michael and ethan um, I have at least three different sort of bonus things up there currently to our Great. analyses of, of various uh, shorter pieces. Um, there's a file of me reading the short story that I analyzed in a different file. Um, mm-hmm. And the plan is to expand. By the time this goes up, there will be more
2: of me on there as well excellent yes. specificity there. And there's, there's also content from uh, some of the other tapestry shows as well that you can get access to just by donating only to this show. So, yes. isn't that great?
0: Yeah. So, access to the Secret Archives at just a dollar. For three dollars per month, you get to pick an issue of Tapestry Wonder Tales and Trivialities, which is a magazine that we produced three issues of several several years ago that's filled with stories, yep. poems, um, Visual stuff, uh, just sort of- Funny little of things. Wondrous things. Um, and trivialities. And they're, they're you know, we, we've we never been timely, so therefore, Tapestry nope. Magazine is timely. So anytime that you donate and exactly. you get your copy, you should, you know, be able to revel in the stories referencing, you know, literary works from hundreds of years ago and other extremely yep. timely relevant things. Absolutely. Um, That's exactly
2: what every coffee table needs.
0: Yes, uh, at twenty dollars or more per month. Um, now I've mm-hmm. skipped a few tiers, so you'll have to just go to the Patreon to uh, uh, look at all the things you can. Yeah, get. look at all of them. Uh, at $20 or more per month, you get a personal mini just for mm-hmm. you. If you donate 20 to, if you pledge at the $20 or more per month level, we will work with you um, to pick a book, short story, poem, or other input. Maybe you want us to watch a movie, or read a, read a yeah. graphic novel, or something. Um, sure. We will do that. It will be dedicated for, to you. Um, mm-hmm. We'll do our best to personalize it for you. Um, and you yourself will become a part of tapestry lore.
2: Yeah, um, imagine that.
0: You will be immortalized. Now, we do have one tier. Like I said, we have several tiers between $3 and $20. Go to the yep. Patreon and look at that. Michael, do you want to talk about our last tier? Our highest tier? Yes. Our for transcendent our tier, as it were.
2: Transcendent tier. Yeah, that's, that's what we'll call it. The transcendent tier. If you yeah. love this show so much that you would like to donate $1,000 or more per month, if you'd like to uh, pledge that amount, $1,000 or more, that gets you to the transcendent tier, Uh, you get to be basically a, a lit professor for us. You assign us a book to read and an essay to write about it. Ethan and I will each write an essay... Uh, providing a self-published hard copy as well as a digital copy of that essay in the secret section. Uh, so you get to basically turn us into your literary slaves and make us read a book, write an essay, and give it to you in hard copy and publish it on the secret section, and whatever, whatever it can be, let your imagination go wild if you decide to do this.
0: Um, yeah, we will write whatever you want. <laughs> Um, and some people might say it's, uh, it's a little bit arrogant to uh, have a $1,000 here, but, you know, what's the worst that can happen? We don't get $1,000 or more per month? We already don't have $1,000 or more per month, so, like, whatever. We're not man. losing anything. <laughs> yeah, don't add us. Don't yeah. add us. Back off. All right. Back off, except to give us money.
2: Yeah, thank you. Please.
0: Thank you. So, thank yeah, you.
2: once again, that's at uh, patreon.com roomwithscotch. Check it out and donate whatever you feel comfortable donating.
0: Whatever is in your heart, and also mm-hmm. whatever things you want to get out of it. Yep, but you're not buying uh, it.
2: Thank you're you. donating, and we're giving you a reward. It's very different. Thank you. We love you. Thank you. We love you. Bye. Thank you. We love you very much. Bye bye.
0: So, gentle listener, thank you once again for joining can I, us. Can I,
2: can I give us, like, just one teaser? Yeah. You want to go? I, 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 I
0: got it. Go All ahead and do your teaser. Uh, one little teaser. like <laughs> You always tease So,
2: me. next time we're going to be talking about part two. Yes. Right now we're ending part one. Yes. How Cervantes ends part one is by writing, Fosse altro cantera con con mig- miglior plectro, which okay. is translated in my notes as, May another poet sing with a better pen.
0: Interesting,
2: Right? Part one ends with Cervantes saying, may another poet sing with a better pen. And guess what happens between the publication of part one and part two? There is a false. There is a false Don Quixote part two. So yeah. see, here's the thing. Cervantes invited it. He got okay. what he asked for. He did, but also. In a
0: not a better pen. <laughs> but also, maybe he had more control than we are implying and that many critics have given him credit for, which is something we'll have to talk about next time. Based on Nabokov. Yes. <laughs> I thought I was i was 90% sure that I had gotten that from Nabokov. Yeah,
2: that, that oh, Navicot. what are we
0: talking about, gentle listener? Don't know. Did we titillate you? Good. This is an Woo! appropriate podcast for all ages. Uh, <laughs> yes, we titillate all ages. I hate you so much. <laughs> I'm so mad at you. Uh... So until next time gentle listener, uh if you choose to come along with us, which <laughs> I'm considering not doing, so
2: follow the yellow brick road.
0: Please, in the meantime, read along, give us your feedback. Um please separate things that Michael has said from <laughs> what I am responsible for make that <laughs> distinction very clear um but I, I am just the interpreter of you <laughs> I hate that so much I do also love it but I do also hate it um please read along give us your feedback G- uh, go to the contact section of tapestryradio.org um go to at roomwithscotch on twitter we will read your tweets if you tweet at us we are not nearly important enough to like not see or ignore tweets or whatever right um come to the tapestry radio tap house on facebook um feel free to submit your homework to our uh homework submission place at (laughs) tapestryradio.org slash there's a form there uh we do not condone plagiarism and even if you do plagiarism you will probably still get a I was going to say a D, but D's get degrees, so you'll probably still get an F, but it might be entertaining. You'll go to jail. And you'll go to jail, which they do, yeah, they <laughs> do send you to jail for one instance of plagiarism. It's true. Uh, so if you like this podcast, check out the other shows on the Tapestry Radio Network. Shows like Intermission, our uh, audio drama podcast, and Pokemon Rollout. You can do Our it. Pokemon United tabletop RPG real play podcast. Close enough. You said that uh, I last time? Say,
2: I should say two. Uh, Pokemon Rollout just released, by the time this comes comes out, if I'm calculating everything correctly... You're not,
0: but go on. Uh,
2: ...just released the uh, Q&A special episode following the 50th episode of Pokemon Rollout.
0: Okay. Has come out. So. Cool. So, listen to that. Mm-hmm. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, other places that we're on whatever thing you got this podcast from go back to that and rate and review us and just click five
2: stars. five stars is five okay only
0: five. five five is
2: five is fine we'll we'll take five
0: either five or don't do it
2: yeah um <laughs> probably that's the best way
0: yeah uh so you know we don't do any paid advertisement or anything so nope um this is really the only way that and if you share our episodes if you do share our episodes we will love you forever like that's just we will like just
2: you know tell us your address we'll come find you give you a hug that's
0: not oh okay i'll i'll hug them i'll (laughs) i'll hug them i like hugs yeah right i like giving hugs see hugs hugs are good um we're all about the hugs read my webcomic michael and ethan michael and ethan in a room with scotch we're all about the hugs that's not the name of my (laughs) webcomic that is it should be pinporter girl detective we're all about the hugs no that that doesn't work um Porter detective girl detective i'm trying to remember the name of my url and i still don't know if it's oh, dot it. com or dot org it's one pinporter of those detective. try both you'll dot get com, it you'll get org, it there one of those um homestarrunner.org it's mm-hmm. dot com <laughs> so only 2000s kids will remember this um oh, it's so good though Runner. just remember do um, until next time it's our party and Michael will blast your eardrums out if we want to
2: <laughs> and we do want to do we all the time